Good morning, Homewood. It is good to be here today, and I hope that you're excited to be here as well. Um, I'm excited to be able to share this information with you. I come all the way from Nashville. Uh, my family's right over here. Um, I've got a 12-year-old and a 7-year-old and a wife of 17 years, and uh, just glad to be here. Today's going to be a good day, and I'm excited to be able to, uh, to kind of have this conversation with you and to go into some conversations that some of you might already be having at home and some of you maybe have never had at home, but I hope that you stick with me. Hope that you stay with it because I promise you that you're going to leave here enlightened and God is going to hopefully open up a conversation for you that maybe you have been afraid to have at some point in your life, but I promise you that God has something good for us today. So question I want to start off is, what are you looking forward to in life? Think about it. I know I've got a good friend over here that was looking forward to a win yesterday. and. That, that happened. So uh, congratulations. But what are you looking forward to in life? Maybe, maybe you're looking forward to vacation. Maybe you're looking forward to a change of seasons. I know a lot of people love to take those fall pictures at this time of year. Maybe you're looking forward to a meal with friends. Some, some of us just yearn for that time to be with friends, to be able to go and share a meal with them and just experience that community. Maybe you're looking for some family time where you can just kind of be together, just your family, where you can just sit down, enjoy a meal, or hang out, or watch a movie, or do something like that. Maybe you're enjoying, looking forward to that. Maybe you're looking forward to graduation, whether it's in high school or college, or maybe getting your master's, or whatever it might be, you're just looking forward to graduation. Maybe it's kindergarten graduation, you've got little kindergartners in here looking forward to graduation. Maybe some of you are looking forward to retirement. I had to, I Googled this image, no offense, that's not what you have to do on retirement, it's just <laughs> be alone and sit and look, but that's just a Google search for, uh, for what retirement might look like for some of you. Maybe some of you are looking forward to new technology. Maybe some of you are just eager to get that new thing. You've been researching for years, that TV that you've been waiting for, that phone or that device or whatever it might be, maybe you're looking forward to that. And some of us in this room maybe are looking forward to nothing, and you know who you are. And you know, you know that some people in here just really don't look forward to anything. And, and, and for me, I, can, I remember a time when I was 15 years old, I was looking forward to getting a car. Now obviously I couldn't get that car till I was 16. I knew what I wanted, but I knew I couldn't afford it. I knew, I knew the things that all my friends had because I could see what they were driving, what they, what they had, but I knew I, I, didn't, I wasn't going to get that. And so I remember specifically my sophomore year of high school, I'm sitting at my, in, in the hallway of my high school and my dad comes to my school, which is very rare. If you know my father, he's a farmer, uh, he, he does not show up to my school for anything unless there's an emergency. And so I was like, Dad, what are you doing here? He's like, well, I need to switch cars out with you out here. And I was like, oh. For what reason? He's like, well, I need to, yeah, he, I was driving one of his old trucks, and he's like, I need to switch cars and all this stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that's exciting. He said, but come with me, come with me. So I walk outside with my dad, and we go to, the, uh, go to the parking spot, and I see this Honda Civic. It was a black two-door 1994 Honda Civic with a stick shift. It was awesome. It had 110,000 miles on it. And I saw it and I was like, that's my dream car right there. And then I, and I, my dad said, here you go, here's the keys. And I was like, wow, I received my first car. And he looked at me and he said, I checked your bank account and you had enough money 
So I took it out and I bought this car for you. And I'd been working summer after summer after summer just to be able to get the car that I thought I wanted, but ended up my dad bought it for me. And that's okay, that's okay. But that's something that I was looking forward to in life. So here's what we have to think about this morning. We have to realize whether or not your ability or inability to look forward in life could be a result of your generation. Some of us are looking far forward. If you remember a couple years ago during the pandemic times, we were looking forward to, we didn't know. We didn't know what to look forward to. We didn't know what the next day was going to look like. We didn't know what that, you know, that time was going to look like. But some of us today are looking forward far in advance, looking forward to greater things, maybe 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. Some of us might be thinking to ourselves, I don't know if I'm going to live that long. I can't look forward that long. But I, I might be looking forward to this Christmas or this Thanksgiving or this New Year. And I don't know what you're looking forward to, but I do know that you do what you want. You do what you do because you were raised that way, the way you look forward to things. And all of us were raised differently, and that's good. I believe God gave us a fingerprint for a reason. But all of us were raised differently, and we have, a, we have an opportunity to be able to learn in, in different ways. So here's, here's one way that I think is very important to understand is that our generations are very different. So by a show of hands, do we have anyone in here from the silent generation? You were born 1928 to 1945. All right, we got a few, we got a couple. Congratulations, thank you for raising your hand. Boomer generations, 1946, by a show of hands, 1946 to 1964. Okay, lots of boomers in here. Generation X, 1965 to 1980. All right, seems pretty equal, there we go. Millennial generation, 81 to 96. How are we doing in here? Okay, most of them are sitting over here. Uh, Generation Z, 97 to 2012. You can raise your hands. I believe in you. Good job. Thank you. And then Gen Alpha, little ones. Yes! 2013 to 2022. Yeah, way to go. Good job. Way to raise your hands. Good job, Generation Alpha. All right, so all of these generations represent you, represent when you were born, how you were raised, what you do, and how you do things. Now, with a quick little search on these things, not every generation is really proud of their generation. Some of them are like, uh, I don't know if I really like my generation as a whole. But the silent generation, not a whole lot to look forward to at the time that you were in adolescence. Um, they survived the Depression, and, uh, and they are a, a, an advocate of repair before replace. They don't want to just go out and buy something new. They want to be able to repair something before they replace something. The boomer generation, um, they, they looked forward to the end of bad times. The influential leaders were assassinated during your time frame of being an adolescent. A lot of things that, uh, that, that you lived through determined how you live today, and making it through those things actually gave you that encouragement or that resiliency to be able to move on to the next thing. Generation X is the first generation to grow up with technology in the home. You're also known as the middle child generation. You get overlooked a lot. Uh, so Generation X, it looks like that. Millennial Generation, they understand life with and without tech at home. They're actually referred to as digital natives. And so this generation understands pre-technology everywhere and post-technology with it all consuming us. And then Gen Z, it's difficult to understand life without technology. 
And so that, what I mean by that is they are, glo- they are globally focused and visually engaged. So the, the thing that we wrestle with a lot of times when we talk about technology and how it impacts the home, impacts the family, impacts your generation, is that generations cannot see eye to eye when we talk about technology because of the way we were raised. And that's okay. But I do ask that everyone is willing to learn something new. I once heard a definition of being the, of, of the word humble means to be willing to learn something that you already know. So even if you think you already know a lot about technology, I challenge you today as we go through this lesson and through the lessons uh, to come, that you're willing to learn something that you think you might already know. And then Gen Alpha, they're still editing their lives right now, but without limits in sight. They see potential in ways that no generation has ever seen before. And there's technology out there that we don't even know about yet that they are going to use, and I believe, for God's kingdom work. A lot of times we we associate technology with only the things that the devil loves to produce in this world. But I believe that these are tools that God knew, I I know, know, God knew this was going to be invented, and it's our challenge to be able to use it. So one of the influencing, uh, leading influencers in all, all generations is this, the smartphone. I think this is going to work, hopefully. There it is. All right. And so uh, just making sure we, we've had some tech issues this morning, uh, if you've, I haven't seen already. But 35% of all U.S. adults owned a smartphone in 2011 compared to 85% of adults who owned a smartphone in 2021. So the smartphone has definitely influenced our lives. It influences how we communicate with each other. It influences the way that we respond to each other. Sometimes we, we think we're too connected and sometimes we think we're not connected at all because of these things. But these have influenced the way we live our life every every single day. But here's the thing to know. The phone is not the problem. We have an unhealthy rhythm of life is the actual pitfall of the future. So the phone itself is quick to blame, right? All of us in this room can quickly look at our life and we can say, let's blame the thing that can't respond to us. Let's blame the television. Let's blame the cable network. Let's blame the movies, the music, whatever it might be. But those things don't respond. Phones don't respond. But if you've ever struggled with an addiction of any type, you have to realize that it's an unhealthy rhythm in your life. These unhealthy rhythms are the pitfall of the future. And if we allow a phone to be the next addiction to our brains, to our bodies, and to our souls, then that is the pitfall to how the devil wins his games. And so a healthy rhythm of life is the way your life, your talents, and your desires work together. So imagine your day. Imagine how often your device is a part of your day. Imagine whether or not it it influences the way you respond to others. Is Is it a distraction or is it something that is just a notification? There are so many things that these phones can do But too quickly, we either associate it with absolute negativity or complete positive outlook of what it could do. So you have to ask yourself these questions. How often do you check your email? Think about that. Have you checked your email while sitting here this morning already? How often do you look at social media? Was that the first thing you did when you got out of bed this morning? How often do you read text messages? How many texts or notifications have you received since sitting in this room? 
Think about that. How often is this happening? How often is it distracting you from what's going on right in front of you? How often do you watch the news? Whether you're, you don't have technology at all, you just have a TV at home. Think about, is that the first thing and the last thing you do every single day? Read the newspaper, watch TV, watch your news station, whatever it might be. How often do you do these things? How often do you check the score? I know yesterday I was, I was you know, eating at a, at a restaurant just down the road, and I was checking the score of a big game. And I'm just, I'm, how often do we check these scores? How, how often do you shop online? When you get bored, do you just go to your phone to shop? Because that's the easiest thing to do. You don't want to think about anything else. So think about how often we do these things, because we have to ask ourselves, what would Jesus do if he had a cell phone? What would, I mean, I'm not saying he would or wouldn't. I'm just saying, like, what would Jesus do if he had a cell phone? Well, I know for one thing for sure, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often got away to spend time with his father. When people were in his life surrounding him with so much that was going on, he said, hold up, hold up. I've got to get away for a minute. I've got to go to the, to the, to the wayside. I've got to go to the wilderness. I've got to go to the top of the mountain, whatever it might be. I've got to get to these places, spend some alone time with my father and pray. So think about how often you do things and how often we have the ability to be with our father. So the challenge that I want you to understand this morning is in order to recognize the rhythms of your life, you have to step out of your normal. And for some of us, depending on what generation you're a part of, that can be really, really difficult. Not impossible, but really, really difficult. Because we can't live in fear of missing something that you don't know. We cannot live in fear of missing something you don't know. Missing an email, missing a text, missing a social media update, missing the score of the game. We cannot live in fear of missing something we don't know. Because we will not know it until we know it. And I do believe that God's timing is absolutely perfect, and everything that happens in your, in your lifespan is exactly when God intended it for, it for it to happen. So how can we create spaces, or how can we create a change that impacts everyday rhythm? And I believe the answer is we need a heart evaluation of our personal view of God and His future promises. How do you view God? Do you view Him as a healer? Do you view him as a father? How do you view God? Your view of him matters to the way that you live for Christ, but also your view of his future promises are vital to the way that you live now. Because the dilemma that we have right now is our hearts have become completely distracted. All of our generations that are living today have a heart problem with distraction, whatever it might be. And I believe two influencing factors are very important, Amazon and remote controls. Amazon, it, it just gives us that instantaneous gratification where, oh, you know what? I do need that. I need, I need it now as fast as possible. And then the remote controls gives you the control. Everyone loves to be in control. And remotes are all over the place now. I am using a remote right now to control these slides. There, we all have controls. We have controls on our watches. We have controls that we just sit down and watch television. We love to be in control of those things. That's why Spotify and Apple Music and all those music platforms are winning at 
having the most money out of our pockets because we love to control. We don't want to listen to the radio anymore. We don't watch live TV anymore. We want to be able to control what we watch and when we watch it. But these two things are giving us control, we think, and instantaneous gratification. To be able to see something, want something, and get it instantly. So Amazon and, and remotes are doing a great job at convincing that our hearts have become distracted. So how does this relate to God's Word? A lot of times we think, oh, how does technology fit into God's Word? I believe that God's Word is alive and living and breathing and doing great in today's world. But the book of Lamentations is not the book that you think of when you think of God's Word a lot of times and how it relates. But it's a glimpse into the life of a lonely man who realizes that God's consistency for justice is equal to his consistency of his promises. And this is what I want, this is how I want you to understand this for a second. You're going to hear, you're going to see and hear and read several scriptures this morning. But these scriptures are probably going to remind you of your friend's social media posts that just say, woe is me, my life is terrible, okay? That's, what, that's how it's going to relate in just a second. So just read along with me right here. Lamentations 3, beginning in verse 1, it says, I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. Think about yourself. Think about that friend that just posts the things and saying, you know what? Life is over. There is nothing good. There's nothing good out there. And we get lost. We get lost into that mantra being replayed over and over into our heads. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walled me in and cannot, and I cannot escape. He has bound me in heaven, in, in, not heaven, in heavy cha chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall. He has made my road crooked. Have you ever experienced a moment where you've experienced anguish and pain? You've experienced something in your life and you just want the world to know. So what do you do? You get on social media and you start seeing everyone else's perfect picture of life and you feel bad about yourself because you're going to post something and say, I need help. I, my prayers have been shut out. I don't feel like God's answering my prayers. I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to go to something mindless that gives me that opportunity to not think about what's going on in my life. But it goes on. This author says, he is hidden like a bear or a lion waiting to attack me. Some of us live on the edge. We live like we're walking on thin ice because we think that someone's going to attack us for what we say or what we do. He has dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. He has drawn his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a bitter cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away and I have forgotten what prosperity is. 
I know this isn't super encouraging, but we can relate. We can relate to this. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. That's the last verse of the bitterness. <laughs> but I want you to understand we've been there. I can promise you every generation has gone through a moment. Every person in this room has gone or will go through a moment where you just look at your life and you think, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't, I just can't do this. Because bitterness has a way to control us and remove any form of gratification. It has a way of controlling us. But the author goes on to say in Lamentations 3.21, yet I still, still dare to hope. Amen. Yet I still dare to hope. And this is what's so good about this. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in Him. So today as you read these verses, as you understand how good His faithfulness is, how His mercies begin fresh every single morning. When you wake up and you think, should I check my social media feed? When you wake up and think, should I get on my phone? Should I turn on the TV? Should I read the newspaper? Whatever it might be, when you think of those things first, before you get out of bed, think that His mercies begin afresh each morning because you have the opportunity to, to choose hope. You have the opportunity to walk away today understanding that hope is worth looking forward to because bitterness will deny your faithfulness, but faithfulness in God will defeat your bitterness. And if you do not believe that, then I ask you, why are you here today? Because your faithfulness in God has the opportunity to defeat bitterness. So I ask you one more time, what are you looking forward to? What are you looking forward to? Because that's an important question for you to aim your mind, your heart, away from distraction and into what God's promises are for you, your family, and your generation. Because I hope that you're looking forward to opportunity. And this is what I love about opportunity. In Psalm 107 verses 1 through 2, it says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His faithful love endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? I hope so, then speak out, tell others He has redeemed you from your enemies. Tell others with your voice, with your social media account, with your technology, whatever it might be, you have an opportunity to look forward in life to something where you have a chance to share the gospel of Christ and increase the kingdom of God in grand numbers because He has given you a tool that looks like a screen to be able to share the good news. We might be thinking that we are disconnected because a lot of the things that we have in our back pockets or our purses or on our tables, our devices, but we have never had a chance in the history of this world to be more connected than we can have, that we can be right now. 
to reach out to missionaries in other countries, to be able to give, to send funds. I mean, even with the, with the, uh, the recent tragedy in, in, in Florida and the Gulf Coast areas that got hit by the hurricane, I mean, our church was able to send money instantly. Whereas if you think several years ago, we had to figure out a way to get it there. But today you have a chance to be able to spread the good news of Christ and do great things as you look forward to what God has in store for your future. So today I hope that you dare to hope. I hope that you understand that God has an opportunity for you, that God has something in your house, in your, with your family, with your kids, with your grandparents, with your loved ones. He has an opportunity for you to grow in your hope and what He has in store for a future. So today, as we close and as we, as we move on with our, with our Sunday, I hope that you continue to dare to hope. I hope that you look forward to greater things yet to come. And do not let your dwell be on the bitterness of your past, but look forward to what God has in store for your future. So as we, as we come together in song, I do know that there will be, there will be uh, people for, to, for you to pray with. There will be people for you, you can come forward today if you feel the need to be baptized today. There will be shepherds here in the front, and there, if you need more private time, there will be shepherds in the back. But I pray that if you do need that today, that you will respond together as we stand and sing.